I've been procrastinating making this podcast um for a very long time i've been wanting to make this since i don't know perhaps last year i i wanted to make this first episode special and i wanted to talk about my story grew up in a somewhat emotionally abusive household and i uh i lost my best friend of seven years when i was 14 (laughs) and that's the tip of the iceberg but I think the part that a lot of people forget to tell when they're talking about their story is their internal self, their fears, their failures, the things that people are embarrassed to speak about so publicly, the things that make them vulnerable. Nobody takes responsibility for their own happiness, and and I think I want to start doing that. So I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about myself. I've been struggling with depression for like, I don't know, maybe since like the fourth grade. I remember um, getting really bad headaches and we went to the doctor's office and I was talking about all these headaches and things and the first thing the doctor asked me was if I I had friends and I was like, yeah, of course I have friends. And um, I started talking about how I had problems with uh, making friends when I was in fourth grade and the doctor said, well, she might be depressed. And you know, that sounds absolutely ridiculous saying that a fourth grader could be depressed. And um, I guess maybe perhaps like in middle school, I started getting bullied and stuff, but I, I think a lot of it was in my own hands. And that's what a lot of people don't want to admit, but nobody takes responsibility for their own happiness. We tend to run away from our problems and actually face them. We tend to lie to ourselves and put the blame on others because we want to tell our brain that what we're going through is not our fault. I think I've been running away from that for a really long time. And and that's one of the things I really like about um, BoJack Horseman. You see, I've been avoiding watching that show for such a long time because I feel like it would be really bad for my mental health. But I'd get, I'd keep getting recommendations, and I just did not like the animation style, so I didn't watch it until like now. And I relate a lot to a lot of the characters. You know, the show is about what happens when you let the toxic traits get the best of you. And I know for a lot of us, we feel like we're broken. And I know that's a really romanticized way of saying it, and I I hate the people who try to make depression look like an edgy thing because I lost someone to depression, and it's not edgy, and it's not cool, and it's not dark, and it's not a popular loner type of shit. It's a horrible thing that happens when you let your intrusive thoughts get the best of you, and nobody treats it like that. (laughs) Nobody treats it like that. I promise you... It's so much more common than you think. It's just that humans have this stupid fucking filter always on. And, they, and they, they're never honest with each other. When you ask somebody, how was your day? They don't actually mean that. They just want to start a conversation for no fucking reason. And I guess one thing about me is that I've never had that filter. Which landed me in a lot of trouble, but... The only time I felt like I really truly filtered myself was with my own feelings, you know. We like to blame things on others. It's like, oh, well, because my parents were really mean to me, I'm having a bad day. But it's like, you're just putting your sadness, you're putting the blame on them. And this brings up 
the idea of accepting our toxic traits that we don't <laughs> like to admit. I think I think the most people would admit that that is toxic is either like jealousy or being territorial. I, I think it goes deeper than that. I've 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 hurt people. People I love. I've disappointed people who um who gave me the slightest bit of faith and and, and I jump in these cycles of self-sabotage and I do not know why. My brain just tells me that I somehow deserve it. I, I try to ruin everything and I, I put the blame on others. I, I put the blame on what happened with my best friend. I, I put the blame on my parents. I put the blame on my living situation. I, I put the blame on everything except myself because I don't want to be responsible for my own happiness. I don't know if it's because I've been used to being controlled my entire life or, or perhaps I don't know who I am or what I want, but I'm just here to talk about the things that people don't like to talk about, that nobody likes admitting that they're superficial or that they care more about their image than their happiness. Nobody wants to admit that they constantly fantasize about living a different life. Nobody talks about how they hate being wrong. Nobody talks about how they're cynical. Nobody has talked about these things because it makes us feel vulnerable. We don't want to show our ugly side. When we talk about our sadness, we do it in a tone of pity. We feel bad for ourselves. We tell other people, oh, well, I'm depressed because my mom did this. I'm depressed because school, you know, kids at school do this, but we never take responsibility for our own happiness. And, and that's the problem. If you run away from responsibility, life won't stop for you. Life keeps going. And that's one of the hardest things to accept. And one of my biggest problems was procrastination. I tell myself that I'd start something after I took a nap, and then I tell myself that I'll do it in a couple hours, and I'll do it after I clean my room, I'll do it after I finish this project, I'll take a break for now, and then after that, I'll come back and start being productive. And um, I'll fit things when I'm busy, when I'm going out, I'll be like, oh, I can just do it on this day. I'd go on social media for a bit thinking that I'd leave very fast. These are all excuses that I set up for myself. And I, I created this idea of self-care. I'd tell myself, well, I can't start on my homework because um, my hair looks messy and self-care is so important. And it's not to say that self-care is not important. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that my brain was using self-care as an excuse not to get things done. And this is the problem with people that think like me we don't want to take responsibilities so we lie to ourselves we tell ourselves that we can't get something done until blank 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 again that is a form of self-sabotage but it's hidden in the word self-care none of my priorities were getting taken care of i uh i learned to do a lot of things i learned to sew i learned to do acrylics I, I learned to cook and i know a lot of people have a hard time being productive and um i totally get that it's very hard to feel energized when you feel depressed but um for me there would be times i'd get random bursts of energy that energy on doing things that weren't really benefiting me of course you know these are 
amazing skills that I'm so grateful to have learned, but it, it wasn't my priority. And I was just disguising my procrastination issue under cooking, under sewing. And although it made me feel productive, I, at the end of the day, I had still committed an act of self-sabotage because the things that needed to be done did not get done. And I didn't know why I did this. I understand that so many people have procrastination issues, but it's a difference between I don't want to do my homework right now and oh shit I'm just gonna try to wing it to I'm not gonna do it at all because I want my future self to suffer it's unexplainable and I do not know how to describe it in any way possible I, I don't self-harm I like to harm myself in ways that the pain will last longer like ruining relationships, cutting people off. That. This all started uh, sophomore year, so when I was around 15. I've always been depressed, it's been on and off. Of course, when you're depressed, it, it acts as a, as, a, as a cloud, as a filter. It filters out all the happy things. When you're in a bad state of mind, you don't think about the things that make you happy. You don't think about when you were happy. It doesn't feel that way. And, I've learned that happiness is unrealistic, and that sounds incredibly pessimistic, but they, they make us think that having money and friends and relationships is going to make us happy, but that's not the truth, because happiness starts within you, and happiness itself is, you know, if you want to talk about things more physically, it's a, it's a chemical reaction that happens in your brain, you get a little bit of dopamine, serotonin, and that only lasts a couple seconds. Yet, sadness can last a half an hour. What you should try to aim for is peace. To get to peace, you need to let go of a lot of things. Let go of a lot of things my ego doesn't want to let go. Social media has always been a really toxic thing for me. I uh, started my Instagram account back in middle school, and for some reason it blew up a little bit, or at least for the time, and the hate comments really got to me. But for some reason, I'd rather scroll on Instagram and see all this, all this validation than, than work on school. I, I still finished pretty well. Um, I was a decently smart kid for what a middle schooler could be. Uh, when I, when I uh, changed to high school, of course, freshman year, I did pretty good straight A's. Um, that's where I, the fall started going down because I, I realized that a lot of the schoolwork and things was just for my parents. I was living for my parents and not myself. And, and I think that's a lot of kids, especially immigrant children. You know, we hide it in disguise. We're like, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm doing something good for my people. I'm doing something good for my family. But a lot of times it's just we're living the dream for other people. You know, of course, if you want to gain high social status and income, that's completely up to you. But uh, a lot of us were sold on to these dreams because it came with our parents' validation. And that's something that I struggled with for, with the, for a very long time. My, my, my dad is really, really cold-hearted. The only time I've ever saw him, saw him cry was at my grandmother's funeral. Whereas my mom, she cries all the time. She's fairly dramatic. As, as far as showing affection and validation, it only come with A's. <laughs> I, I could only get clothing if I would get straight A's because they would give me money and then they'd say if it's too expensive you buy it with your own money so if I wanted to fit in and wear cute clothing 
um, I had had to get straight A's. And for a very long time, I was living the dream that my parents wanted me to have. And and what a lot of people, what it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, and nobody really talks about it, is that a lot of parents are narcissistic, and and nobody likes to talk about it because the idea of family and and loving your parents is so ingrained into our minds that we feel like if we were to criticize our own family, especially uh, our parents, we're ungrateful. You know, nobody wants to say it, but I feel like a lot of people have children solely so they can control them, solely so they can manipulate them, solely so their children can live the life that they wanted. And in their little narcissistic heads, because a part of them is growing up to live or fulfill the dreams that they had for their own childhood, they're happy because of that. I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. I'm not saying it's the case for everything. This is just the way my brain analyzes things. And I feel like it's so much important to get a deep understanding about the way a person thinks uh, rather than their backstory. You know, I don't care if you play basketball or volleyball. I care about how you treat people. I care about what's going on inside that brain because that's how you form true connections. So growing up, I used... Uh, other people for parental figures. I wanted somebody to tell me that I was worth it and that I could do this because my own my own parents didn't. They saw the grades drop and they immediately started um, comparing me to uh, somebody else. I felt like I wasn't my own person. I felt like my future was already written for me because it was a reflection of this person. I, I guess I latch onto things because my parents put so much pressure on me when it comes to intellect or at least like academically how I do well in school. And I felt a lot of pressure on that. So when I started up feeling school, like I said, I tend to care more about my image than my actual life. I care about more how my parents perceive me and how a few people perceive me than how I actually feel. I was sold into this fantasy about being the, the perfect child with the great, amazing grades, somebody who was so smart, show-stopping, spectacular turned out to, to to not be that and i don't know if it was because i wasn't good enough i don't know if it, if it was because it wasn't making me happy and and i and i stopped wanting to live for other people so the way i would cope with that the way i'd um i'd convince myself that i was still the smart kid i was when i was younger is that i had a brainiac obsession and this is a lot of things that a lot of people don't talk about the things that you get obsessed with because obsession is something that is seen as shameful of course if you hear that somebody's obsessed with their ex you're like damn you're stuck on one person move on and, and here's some of my obsessions so i first started getting obsessed with uh wicca and magic when i was around fourth and fifth grade i had to go to the library uh that we shared with another campus and there was these books these black book about mysteries and stuff like that because I like the idea of magic. I like the idea of manipulating things around you. It makes you feel like you're in control. And and control is a really important thing for me because I feel like I'm completely out of control of my life. I think after Wicca, I started getting into uh, philosophy and that's something I'm still really interested in. I, I'm just an overthinker. I've always been an overthinker because I grew up fairly depressed and with parents that would constantly put me down. I grew up a little bit pessimistic. I'd be very negative. 
I wouldn't expect any good because that was the only way I wouldn't get disappointed. That was the only way I wouldn't get hurt. Just like people distance others. Just just how people ghost you so they don't get attached to you. I, I do that with other things because I wanted to stop myself from getting hurt again. Because I, I once had hope and I once had ambition. Which After philosophy, I started getting into crazy shit. Um, crystal healing, still very interesting. I bought a shit ton of crystals. I would meditate. I bought a meditation stand. I'd meditate. I'd read about chakras. I'd, I'd learn about, um, Hinduism and Buddhism. I thought this was the answer. I thought this was the answer to happiness. I had learned about law of attraction. I'm seeing that it's actually working. I'm manifesting things. I'm saying that I'm taking in charge of my own happiness. This is absolutely amazing. You're just telling me that to be happy, I have to pretend that I'm happy. This is so easy. I was sold on the idea and then it stopped working. I think that was the same year I lost my grandmother. So it kind of just went downhill from there. I started looking into quantum mechanics because um, physics has always interested me. I feel like, I don't know if it's pretentious. I feel like it is. I feel like I'm interested into these things because it makes me feel special or smart. But um, I bought a bunch of books about uh, quantum mechanics. I'd, I'd read these um, documentaries and I made my AS Chem paper on it, which was pretty interesting. And then... Um, during that time, I started looking into secret societies and cults, and I got really obsessed with the Charles Manson cases. Because he knew how to make people like you, and that really attracted me. At this moment, I was getting a lot of hate online and from my parents. I've always had this little obsession with having people like me, even though I'm probably the most disliked person in I wouldn't say in the world, but it, it feels that way sometimes. That TV show Daria, the girl, she hurts others and she pushes other people away so they dislike her. So they don't get to re know the real version of her and that way they don't dislike that version of her. It's like I, I'm afraid of people finding out who the real me is because the real me is a piece of shit. I mean, I'm nice to people, but I'm really mean on myself and I, I tend to hurt people in, in by dragging them down with me. You don't have to insult people to hurt them. When people get attached to you, or even if they're not attached to you, sometimes your own sadness can guilt them, can make them fall with you. And I don't know if it's evil or if it's just me wanting help. I got into true crime. That was interesting. And then I got into self-help books. and. Nobody talked about this until recently. I saw a YouTube video on it, and it was just about how reading self-help books gives you this short-term motivation. So you read this book, you're like, this book is going to change my life, this book is going to make me a millionaire, and then you never do the things that the book said. And then a month later, you're still drowning in guilt, uh, contemplating whether you want to kill yourself or not. Nobody talks about that. Anytime anyone brings up how to win uh how to win friends and influence people it's like oh my gosh that book helped me be the most liked person at my job i have so many friends now but it's like man i started reading that book and 
I just kind of hate myself more even now. And that's the thing that nobody likes to admit. Nobody likes to talk about their failures unless it's a story about success, okay? They'll tell you, oh, I never gave up. My first song was trash. It was a complete failure. But now I'm in the top charts. Anytime a failure is brought up in someone's story, it's always to highlight their success. But nobody ever talks about a continuous cycle of failures. We're sold on to this idea that it gets better and the reality is for a lot of people it doesn't. I saw I saw my grandmother be born in pain and die in pain. It it never got better for her. It never did. And for a lot of people their life is going to be like that. And it's depressing. But denial and running away from it is only going to start more issues. And I feel like that's a problem that people do not understand. If, if you deny that you're sad, if you deny that you're depressed, if, if you deny that you're not in charge of your own happiness, you're just going to be running away from problems your entire life. And that's not going to do anything. Because as soon as you are done running away from the girl you cheated on, you're going to be feeling guilt for months after. And, and that's something that makes people un uncomfortable because they tell us just do it. Believe in yourself. Never give up. Although those are amazing motivational words, not everyone has a success story. And that's what people don't want to talk about. That's the dark side of self-help books, how a lot of these motivational people are just trying to make money off impressionable young adults. And that's the scariest thing because we're divided into people who have their shit together, are, are emotionally stable, and those who completely hate themselves. They tell us it gets better with their book, but it really doesn't. It's just a way for them to make more money. At this point in my life, I had fallen into the deep hole of self-help books. Watching all of these YouTube videos, looking up all these uh, so-called self-help quote-unquote gurus, and finding all the motivational speakers wishing that they could somehow change my life. And the reality is that it didn't. And something that's really sad about the industry is that a lot of these motivational speakers are just trying to make money off their books by preying on young, impressionable adults. These self-help books promised me that they would take all the fears and frustrations out of my life. So here are just some of the fears that I dealt with during this phase. I guess my background, I was always fearful about not being attractive enough. I was fearful of not being attachment worthy. I was afraid of being boring and not having an eccentric personality, not being able to reel people in because I was likable. And likability has nothing to do with the guilt I, I feel, the self-hatred I feel, the self-sabotage. So this is a new edit, okay? I'm filming this around two days after I filmed the original part, but um, just because when I started talking about fear, I started talking about journaling, which is the only habit I was able to form because I'm such a fucking lazy fuck, but I wanted to talk about something serious. My biggest fear is that my biggest problem is myself. In every situation when somebody is in danger, they can do three things. They uh, flight, fight, or freeze. And I am a flyer, okay? I run away from my problems. Quite metaphorically, every single time I was dealing with mental health issues, the only way that 
or the best way I would cope is by going out with my friends or going hiking. I would run away from my problems, and that's how I realized that my problem was home. There's this thing I have. It's called the inner critic. Is your thoughts when you tend to criticize yourself? Everyone criticizes themselves, and my inner critic tends to be very, very harsh. I tell myself horrible things. I tell myself that I'm a piece of shit and an asshole, and I don't deserve anything, and that I'm a horrible person, and I feel so bad about it. So one of the feelings that I'm constantly feeling is guilt. When this issue arrives, it's like, how do you run away from yourself? Because anywhere I will go. Any environment, no matter what other people say to me, I will always feel these negative thoughts about myself because my inner critic is so big, and and that derived from my parents. So my parents are fairly um, emotionally abusive. They are very manipulative. Um, I went to a Black Lives Matter protest, and my dad told me that because I was going to a protest that. I was somehow planning to do that to get COVID and kill him. He literally said, "You are trying to kill me," and now they're planning a vacation to go to Cancun. Uh, where is there no COVID in Cancun, sir? And this is just some things I'm comfortable sharing with. It gets way more fucked up, and I probably will be talking about this more when I move out. But um. I didn't realize that until recently that my inner critic comes from my own parents. When you grow up having people project their insecurities onto you, the only thing that you hear is negative. It's so hard not to think the same. So that little voice in my head is just, in metaphorically, my parents. It, it's like a criticize. Like anything I do, I get criticized for it, and it feels like an ongoing cycle of torture and, and an attempt. Uh, two days ago, and I was just ready to let go because, in 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 my mind, I don't think life has a purpose. I don't think people have a purpose. I don't think there is a higher power. And at this moment, I don't know if there's an afterlife or not. But that doesn't mean that you need a purpose to live. I know a lot of people that are struggling with depression are constantly thinking. I don't have a purpose. My life is worthless. Why should I be here? And it, and it's a self-esteem issue. But at, at least for me, I've moved past that. That was my thinking when I was like in seventh grade. You look into philosophy, and there's like so many people that are like, yeah, humans are pieces of shit. We don't have a fucking purpose on this earth, and God isn't real. And that that mindset just kind of carried on from there. So I'm not necessarily worried about finding my purpose, or or、um, fulfilling my dreams. I'm just scared that this inner critic inside my head will never fucking leave. I'm scared that there it might be something bigger than than it is. And if I can't get rid of that, then it's just going to be mental torture. So I'd rather just die. In a peaceful manner, early, then continue the ongoing cycle of torture that is life. <laughs> All right, this is an episode of Normalize, and I'll see you guys later. I'm gonna try to find a good podcasting editing software. I'm sorry if my mic sounds shitty. It's a good mic, guys. It's Blue Yeti, but um, I don't really know how to use it. All right. See you. See you guys later. Bye.